podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Possibly bleak as this. Never ended up in McDonald's, and I have had a trophy in one time. Not the fault that I played for the Gunners. He done it! The greatest night in the history of Chelsea Football Club. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Chelsea Hour. I'm your host, Dan Soff. Um, we got a new, a new person. Who's this? Introduce yourself. Yeah, man. My name's Slens, man. Slens talks on Twitter. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to be on. I'm an avid watcher of, of this this podcast and I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, man. Um, obviously, like I always tell people, if you want to come on a podcast, if you're a listener and you feel like you've got good things to contribute, feel free to contact us. But um, yeah, I just heard you talking in spaces and I just, it's not even about do you align with my opinions or anything else. I think you're level-headed, but also I feel like not only can you not only do you have maybe ideas that isn't like commonplace, because really and truly, if you've got the same views as everybody, as everybody else, why should I talk to you? But also you can kind of explain your perspective. So I rate what you do. Slins Talks on Twitter. We're doing a series um, where we make uh, Chelsea Affiliates the director of football. Um, how do you feel like Chelsea would do if you was given that role of like the, the person responsible for transfers? Do you think that everybody on Twitter will be praising Slins? Or would they do you like Marina? Nah, I, th- I, th- I think I'd be controversial. I think um, because people don't have critical thinking on, <laughs> on Twitter, they probably just, you know, have the same opinion about me. But it's uh, what it is, isn't it? If some people can see it, some people can't, man. It is what it is. Are you saying that the Chessie, our listeners, don't have critical thinking or the people on Twitter? You've got to get that right. Nah, nah, the Chessie, our thinking, listen, they, have, they, they can come up with their own opinions. So that's yeah. something I respect. But, cool. but on Twitter, I feel like it's a different story. All right, cool. Um... So, uh, before we get into the 11 11, we've got a couple of developments. I've been calm, I've been mad calm, and I think I'm just normal, like a usually calm person anyway, when it comes to this type of stuff. I, um, I haven't been getting irate that we haven't got any transfers over the line. Um, how have you been in this transfer period? What type of personality are you? Are you have you been thinking, oh, we need to get him in before preseason? Like, have you been neurotic? What, what have you been like? I'll be very honest, like. I think I've been a football fan for a long time and I've been through many, many transfer windows. Um, one thing that all of us, all Chelsea fans need to know is that this is very unprecedented for us in terms of where we are right now, our ownership, you know, kind of rotating uh, people that are in charge of transfers. So I've I've kept that in mind when talking about this transfer window. I've, I've tried to be level-headed. Yeah. I've tried to kind of fight people, kind of go against people that are like, you know, making assumptions and already, yeah. you know, in a negative point of view, but you can't, you can't be like it's impossible. Like uh, moves will be made. We've been promised all season. Yeah. The, the the time scale just depends on 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 how quickly we can get business done. It's just not a problem. This is why I say I rate you because my pet peeve. I think my biggest pet peeve is assumptions. People love to jump to assumptions, and not only that, people will talk on other people's behalves, whether it's other Chelsea fans or whether it's Tuchel, whether it's the directors or whatever, and I hate that type of stuff. But you're saying because of the context of this summer, you've been calm. 
What about if it was yeah. just a normal summer? By this point, because to be fair, with me, people call me a robot. I'll be honest. Some people just call me a robot, robot say I don't have emotions. But with you, like we're football fans. Fan, football fandom is about emotions. So if there was no kind of change of ownership, et cetera, and by this point, we still haven't officially signed someone, how would you be? How would Slens be? Uh, to be honest, uh, I'd probably just be wary. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to be very honest. Obviously, some, some, some part of me would be worried because I feel like I do believe that there is a lot to do with the squad. And, I, and when I say squad, I don't mean like, for, I mean squad. So to me, like, I, I look at the squad and I feel like I, I have been talking a lot about, you know, the options that come off the bench and, and the, the players that are on high wages, that have been on contract, that are on long contracts. I feel like we, we should be able to move them on. So I'll be wary of that because even before the window started, the one thing I was talking about is, is, is departures and, and, you know, making space for players that, that are good enough to be in the squad. So I'll be kind of, I'd be kind of wary. I, I wouldn't overreact because I don't like to do that. Yeah. But I'll just be wary. And, and you know what? Once one signings will be made, the first signing, uh, first signing will be made, I'll just be, I'll be more calm and, and I'll accept, uh, expect um, more from this club. Yeah. Yeah. You sound a little bit about Jermaine burning about departures. He's one of those people that just get these guys out of here, get these squad rotation guys out of here. But 100%. with the um, linked. Like when we was doing this earlier, people could be way more creative. We'll get into the eleven later, but as we're coming towards the start of the season, it feels like things are crystallising. We know that certain players are now moving towards other clubs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we've been linked heavily today with uh, Kulibali. Um, we've also been hearing that Sterling might join the team in uh, LA, um, and there's been links with Nabri and all this type of stuff. So whereas before, maybe people kind of didn't know. And I feel like when people don't know what the direction or what the targets are, that's when I think people feel a bit like irate. Sometimes I listen to people talking and they're like, I don't understand the direction. I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, but you don't see the full picture. How is it supposed to make sense to you? Chelsea aren't coming out telling everybody the full plan. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So, of course, yeah. like, there's a lot of rumours. Some are true, some are not. So, of course, it was like, this doesn't make sense with that. I was like, yeah, it's not supposed to make sense to you at this point. Um, but with the transfers, so far, we've obviously got zero. I've seen rumours that potentially it might be six players that are coming in. How many players do you think roughly or would you be happy with? So, let's say if we just signed three players. And we don't have to get into positions or what. I'm just trying to ask you, do you think we need the six or would you be like calm with lack of three? Yeah, um, just, just real quick, before I answer your question, can I just say something you said, yeah? Yeah. I, I always say to people, like, don't live and die by what journalists, by what journalists say yeah. in terms of Chelsea and the links we have. And yeah. that's the reason why they overreact and say there is no plan. Because, <laughs> listen, in this, in this current state, we're going to be linked to everyone and, and, exactly. and, and, and anyone because of where we are right now. So if, if you believe everything, obviously you're going to think there's no um, sure. direction. This is, but, why but, yeah, but, said, this is why when you said critical thinking, this is why you're on the podcast and other people aren't. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we pick up, yeah. I guess. But go on. Yeah. Yeah. But um, in, in terms of uh, arrivals, um, I think our first 11, I think our first 11 is a lot better than people think. Like, I think we've, 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 uh, it's ironic because last year, I feel like a lot of us probably overrated our 11. And, and thought that they, they could maintain a challenge and a, and a title and possibly compete with Liverpool and, and, Ch- and uh, City. Yeah. But now I think the opposite is happening. Like I, feel, I feel like because of the season we've had, our 11 is actually better than people think. So I wouldn't change much from the 11. Probably uh, three or four players. Obviously, I say three or four because 
we um, we lost two of our centre backs who are yeah. for first team quality. So it'll be three or four. But if we get more, of course, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, yeah, but we need at minimum a three and then maybe four, right? That's what you're saying. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. You know what? I always find it so interesting. And I feel like this has almost worked every single time. But when we go into a season and people expect us to win the league, I know we're not going to come close to winning the league. It's the seasons that we go into it and everyone kind of writes us off that I'm like, you know what? I might put money down. I'm not even a better man, but I might put money down. And it's always that way. So obviously, off the back of winning the Champions League, expectations were high. I was like you, to be fair. Even though I, I always think, I don't think it was just last season, I always think generally where Debbie Downers on our own club. When I hear Man United talk about, fans, uh, talk about Chelsea, usually, especially in this transfer period, they're like, I love Chelsea. The way Chelsea gets th- uh, things done, they just put the money down, they get their players. Whereas Chelsea fans are like saying, I hate the way that Chelsea do their business. We always long out. And I feel like a lot of the time in this period, we just want to shit on our club because we just kind of, I feel like it's a process, a coping mechanism um, to get them through the transfer window or whatever. But I feel like last season, because there's Champions League, there was like hope that we would win the league. And I, I feel like for a long time, whenever it feels like we're going to win the league, we haven't won it. I can't remember the last time where at the beginning of the season, Chelsea was kind of looked at as one of the favourites to win a league where we've actually won it. I think the one season is probably 14-15, but that's, that's just Jose and the team that we had. I like, feel like that, that was... the last time. Yeah, yeah, no. that was the last time. But, but I agree with you. This, it, yeah. this actually applies to our signings as well, where if a signing comes in and everyone is just hyped and, and you know, believing that the signing is going to complete the puzzle like certain people last year, yeah. well, I was actually part of that. And I feel like... When a signing comes out of it, like, I probably uh, I, those, I was, we can't skate over it. We can't we gotta pull up the rack. <laughs> we gotta pull back that plaster. Of course, you you of even course. know what your voice because I was part of it. I heard it. <laughs> yeah, of course. I was. I was listen, I, I just um yeah, go on. I, I, I believe that like uh that Rom was not not like not changed, but I feel like with, with our system, I felt like he could still he could do well in a way, he could he could contribute right. well, but I ignored like the other part of this game, you know, the off the ball, which was for me the biggest detriment. Were you seduced by the term new Lukaku? Let's be honest. Were you? <laughs> I'll, listen, I'll be, I'll be very honest. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit. I, I was. I definitely okay, cool. Was. I did you watch? Was, yeah. Did you watch it any full games in Italy? I, listen, I'm, I did watch. Um, wait, wait. What's your heritage? I'm, I'm, I'm. Oh, it's in countrywide. Yeah. I'm, I'm Iraqi. I'm Iraqi. Oh, okay. Uh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I, I did watch some games. I was impressed, obviously. I did see that there was a lot of space that he could occupy with, but I also was impressed with, like, his. I feel like his his um, overall, like, desire to work well off the board. Mm-hmm. Like, that was something that I kind of noticed, but I feel like that's what Conte does to you, and I feel like that's something that he wanted to work with. You know, he was yeah. motivated by Conte, and it was just a good relationship. Sometimes you, you go elsewhere, it just doesn't work out. And that's right. exactly what happened. Which is what I said. I, I literally said this. I was like, when it comes down to it, I think Lukaku, the grass is greener. I think they call it Pareto's law, the 80-20. Do you know, like, sometimes when you feel like... Like, Lukaku, is not, he's not like the type of player that every single place he's gone, it's worked out. So, for me, I was yeah. thinking, listen, you've got it good at Inter Milan. Why are you going to upset the apple cart? Why would you do that? Like, just... You know, you haven't even been there for long. And this whole, yeah. oh, it's only for Chelsea and all that type of stuff. Come back to right the wrongs and all that bullshit, man. But... Um, what I was going to say about Lukaku is, look, even though I didn't want him here, 
I know that I love a lot of people like to kind of what do they call it? Not rub their own ego or whatever, just kind of praise themselves or whatever. But to be fair, I thought that I was gonna be humbled because the first three three or four games, <laughs> Lukaku was doing his job, and I'm not even just talking about the goals for him because he wasn't. Apart from the Arsenal game, I remember the Arsenal game, he had six or seven chances. And I remember, I think it was the Aston Villa game, where he didn't have many chances, but he scored two goals. But his all-round game was looking good. And what you said yeah. about when you watched him at Inter and he looked motivated, he looked motivated initially. And that's why it is about environment. It is about that connection between the manager and the coach and the kind of wider team as well. Because potentially, if he remained motivated throughout the season, he could have had a good season. I didn't want Lukaku here, but I'm not going to pretend like actually um, it couldn't have worked out. I still believe with different circumstances, because I, I think maybe if he went to Spurs, he could do well there because Conte believes completely in him. Lukaku believes completely in Conte. And there's nothing better for where you have a manager and a player that believe, look at Mount and Lampard, do you know what I'm saying? When you just have that unshaken yeah. faith, the manager has that unshaken faith to build a team around you. Um, and obviously, I think Conte knows how to to use him better as well. Um, but that's good to kind of hear about the Lukaku thing. What about Saul? Let me try. Let me try and dig up some old dirt on you. What about Saul? Was you, was you excited? Um, listen, well, Saul, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I I, um, I was watching La Liga. I was actually um, following La Liga, and okay. like he's just unfortunate. His his form just dropped. And I think it was something to do with, I think, a surgery, but yeah. he wasn't doing too well at Atletico Madrid for the last two years. Yeah. And I wasn't very excited about the signing. But at the end of the day, I did expect him to be a part of the squad. Yeah. So be a, like a big part player. But mm-hmm. it's very unfortunate. I feel like I didn't work out. Even, even as a squad player, when, when we were like leading in midfield, we, we mm-hmm. barely had options. Jorginho was being overplayed, etc. He still wasn't, you know, being brought on. He still wasn't being played. So yeah. I feel like I kind of predicted that one to, to go the way it did. That's I good. wasn't happy too, but, but yeah, That's good. Actually, at, least I got one, at least I got that one, yeah. Yeah, we need to balance it because we don't want people to think that, you know, we just, we're trying to put you as the director of football, so we can't just bring up the Lukaku L. What else would you say have you got right in the past in terms of, let's not look at something negative, but like, or maybe negative or positive, where you've kind of seen a player before everybody else, or you've seen that player and you're saying, he's going to flop, like maybe it was Werner or whatever. What type of players? Didn't you want to come to Chelsea and they've flopped? And what kind of players did you want to come to Chelsea and they've kind of worked out? Um, but play, players that that I didn't want to come to Chelsea is probably Cover, right? And um, really? that was before I even watched them. Yeah, I watched them for Chelsea because I, I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of how uh, his role at Madrid. Yeah, uh, at Inter Milan, I felt like he was. A, I don't know if people uh, followed him, but he was a completely different player. Like, do you watch him? I like he, he was actually. You I watched. Watch him. I actually watched the man to Milan. I actually did. Yeah, I watched like ninety Milan. minutes. I was my highlights. No, no, ninety minutes. Generally, okay. ninety minutes. I watched him, and, and I was actually quite excited by him. He was, he was uh, an advanced player, but yeah. I, I watched him for, for Zidane, and there was times where he was the deepest midfielder, yeah. and I probably like hurt him. Like I remember there was a a um, a uh, classical game, right, where mm-hmm. it was at the Bernabeu, yeah. and he played it as a deepest midfielder. I wasn't very impressed by him. I remember yeah. him letting him let Messi just. Breeze past him. Obviously, that can happen to anyone, but mm-hmm. he just what he wasn't wasn't very impressive to me. But as soon as he came in, I'm not gonna lie to you. The one thing that I will pride myself on is that when he came in and I watched him, and there was doubts about him in his yeah. first season, I yeah. actually I was still excited by him. I was I was yeah. happy for him to stay permanent, even though that wasn't a um, a consensus around the family. Yeah, it wasn't a consensus. People jacked to try yeah, it wasn't. to hide that, but it wasn't a consensus. All right, that's cool. Any other any other kind of things you can reflect on that you've probably. Um, 
had I, I'm well, trying to I'm trying to kind of draw out the opinions where the fan base was one way and the my, you was in the minority. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm in a minority now with Jorginho, so I'll say that. Okay, I, well, like, don't want to get onto, I don't want to get into current, current players because I don't know if he's cool, going to be your cool. team or not. Cool, but, cool, cool. Right. no problem, no problem. Um, <laughs> in the past... Uh, okay, I, I, another one is Ziyech. Probably Ziyech. I, I know he's in the current. He's in, currently in the squad, but yeah. like when we signed him, yeah. uh, I actually wasn't a fan. Like I, I watched him at the bridge. I was very, very impressed. Yeah. But uh, I watched him in the Champions League games. But obviously, I didn't watch the Eredivisie, I'll be very honest. Yeah. But um, just the kind of player he was, I made my assumptions about his profile. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of him being in our squad. And I, I actually wasn't a fan of the signing and in do general. You feel, do you feel vindicated? A little bit. A little bit. Because, <laughs> I, listen, my, my, my whole argument was, wasn't that he's, he's, yeah. he's a good or bad player. He's a, yeah. He is a good player. He's got ability. Like, yeah. listen, you could tell that he, he, um, he is, like, he's got technical ability in abundance yeah. for me. I see it. But yeah. just about how you fit. I just didn't feel like he was the right fit. So I do feel vindicated about that. I feel vindicated too because I'm right there with you. I didn't want him. And the rest of the Chelsea guys, they were chatting shit. They said he was going to be our best signing. All of them <laughs> chatting shit. Dan for director of football, man. All right. Um, so let me get into your thoughts about Tuchel because I just have to kind of introduce you to our fan base. Slens talks on Twitter, um, sometimes on Spaces, but Slens talks. So Slens, what do you think about our manager Tuchel? I'll tell you what, we're talking about vindication here, right? This is yeah. probably the biggest uh, form of vindication that I've received, right? And that, it is too short, because I remember after Lampard was, was sacked, right? Yeah. And I was actually in a minority with Lampard. I did want him to leave. Uh, yeah. um, in, when, when Lampard was sacked, I was on a stream, I believe. Uh, I don't know if you know Chelsea fans channel, but it no, was a very long stream. We don't have to pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but we, we were actually discussing like our next manager. People yeah. were generally suggesting with, with, a, with a straight face Rafa yeah. Benitez as interim oh, over Tuchel uh, I remember this, this this was a conversation and uh, I was saying there's no way you're saying this to me when Tuchel oh is available there. He's, he's a free agent like we can just sign him and, and, and genuinely like I think I have been proven right I feel yeah. like the biggest thing I loved about him was his tactical flexibility I feel like yeah. he was someone who could manage personalities yeah. because he's proven that at PSG um, yeah. tactically I felt like you know he could provide a lot um, I feel like he's someone if you build with in the long term he can possibly compete with 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 the top, which is oh. Pep and Klopp at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm 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 thankful to see that happen. Yeah. Uh, I still have a lot of faith in him. Uh, yeah. There's some decisions that he's made. That of course, I don't agree with, but you're not supposed to agree with him. A manager he, does. He's not slend. Yeah. yeah, if he was slend, we don't want to lead. You know what I'm saying? He's not slend. <laughs> but let's get into some of these things that you're just like. Okay, we know that you're in his corner, but it's okay. Like to be fair, I'll be honest to say when we uh, two calls available. I didn't kind of have that, oh, there's a gem of a manager there because he just got sacked from PSG and like I wasn't necessarily watching, so I didn't know how good he was. And so I can't even call that as a, a W for me. And I feel like we're being honest. This is good. I, I feel like Sins has given me honesty. I'm giving honesty back. That's good. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, so give me honesty in terms of what do you think that he's... Obviously, we've had him for like a year and a half now. So, what do you think are his negatives? Um, I, I pos- you know what it is. I think his negatives, right? They've come with with the pressure of a job, right? Yeah. So, but if if he if, if there was no pressure, like there is this season in terms of the selection of of uh, recruitment yeah. and um, uh, who you who you'd like to play in in your 11s and the big games, then then he's able to express himself as a tactically manager that he is, right? Because there's less pressure on you, but Roman sets the tempo. Like he sets the tempo for the top in terms of how we run the club. Because you're you're very 
I feel like you're expendable as a manager at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to have to find solutions to win now, even if you go against your your morals and your values as a manager, right? Mm-hmm. And last year, like there was sometimes where I probably wanted to see a system change or see in certain players that that were usually in the squad, like Aspi, for example, in the first eleven, uh, get dropped for for someone like Chalobah, who obviously isn't um, isn't gonna have a guaranteed uh, place. But over someone like Aspi, I felt like Aspi was just dead on the ground. He wasn't able to play games consistently. But there were some games where Tuchel you know, still trusted Aspi. Right. I understand why he did it. I just don't agree with it. Let's, well, we said at the top, what we said, we, what did we say? We said critical thinking. We said assumptions. Yeah. We don't want the assumptions. So how do you know for sure that actually it was because of the pressure from Roman? Look, some, some assumptions you can actually just say, actually, I'm making this assumption, but I'm not trying to put it out there as fact, right? So are we, are we putting this in the assumption camp? No, 100% it's an assumption, 100%. Yeah. But, but I, I just, I look at... um. The assumption is made through like uh, previous um, um, experiences with managers, right? I just feel like because of the pressure that, that Roman puts on you as a manager, you, you, you have to kind of succeed now and you have to find ways. And even the length of his contract, for example, that's another assumption for me. But yeah. I just assume because of it, he has to that's not, find a method now. Do you know that I mean? wasn't an assumption. That was a fact. Don't forget, when he yeah. first came in, it was a short contract. And Tuchel said, yeah. well, I'll prove myself. He said, it's fine. Because at first he was like, rah. They don't even trust me that much. Why are they giving me 80 months? But then he talks with his team and said, no, to be fair, if they gave me a six-year contract, they could have still sacked me 18 months later. So they didn't care. And But the thing is with Tuchel, he's someone that puts pressure on himself from what yeah. I've seen anyway. Because he came in and really and truly, Roman Abramovich didn't um, hire Tuchel after Lampard dragged us down the table and say, you have to win the Champions League. But Tuchel in a press conference said, listen, the league, it's gone. We can't win a league, but we can still win the Champions League and that's what we're going to do. And then the next season after that, we're going to chase down Man. So I don't necessarily think that was Roman pressure. It feels like, for me, a lot of the best managers, Mourinho came in straight out the gate. He said, listen, we're going to win the league and this is when we're going to win it. That was, I'm talking about the first time he came in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Conte, I don't think Conte came out from the beginning saying we're going to win. Um, But, I think Conte was a bit different because Conte didn't put that pressure there. But I think Tuchel, when he came in, he reminded me of Mourinho. I was like, rah, most people are talking about projects in two years and three years. This guy's talking about, no, I'm going to try and win ASAP. And so that's why I would challenge that assumption that it was Roman-induced because I feel like, yeah. I feel like with Tuchel anyway, if he didn't have that pressure, and don't forget, Bowley is here right now and we can see even with the transfer um, signings, and don't forget, it's not, it's not Roman, it is now a new regime. We'll be able to see yeah. the transfer signings. Actually, he still might want to bring in experience because he wants to win now. But again, yeah. that's just my perspective on it. So, uh, you know what it is? Like, in terms of the Roman pressure that I'm talking about, I don't feel like it's something where Roman probably goes, uh, has meetings with Tuchel and says, okay, if you don't do this, then your job is on the line. But I feel like, again, it is self-inflicted pressure. It's self-inflicted, like, it's, it's, it's expectations that you set yourself. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's what Tuchel did. But I think, just assumption for me again, mm-hmm. like um, he, he's aware of, of our situation in terms of our managerial um, appointments, right? So that, that, that leads to, to that pressure being put on himself. I think it elevates it. Do you know what I mean? Fair enough. So I don't think it's, yeah, I don't think it's something that Roman does directly and has, has, you know, a direct talk with, with Tuchel. I can tell you like Tuchel because this question is actually, what is wrong with Tuchel? And I've just been hearing about Roman pressure. So tell me, like, <laughs> but Tuchel, yeah. I'm sure that even without Roman, he's got some some flaws, right? So what have yeah. you noticed in terms of Tuchel flaws? 
Um, listen, may, may, maybe his stubbornness at times. I feel yeah. like um, in some terms of changes in the games. Yeah. Um, maybe perhaps of how he's dealt with, you know, the Lukaku situation. And people talk about his talent ID. Like, I, I don't buy into that as much. I do think that there's some question marks, but it's yeah. not really a presentation of the talent ID because, again, we will never know like how business operates. I don't, we will never know if the Lukaku thing, this is a big debate in the fan base, if he had the final say. We'll never know if he induced him to come, like people say. Who you know? had this... the final say? <laughs> exactly. Had the... I don't know if you know, that's like a black church song, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. But, but even, for example, um, if I could think of another example of, of the whole talent ID thing, yeah. people always show this show many things, you know, the, 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 the signing and talk about how he... he um, picked Saul over Chomeny because Chomeny wasn't ready yeah. to come in. These, these are things that I'll never know if they're true. Right. And I don't buy into. Right. That, 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 I, push, I push against the talent ID thing. I do have question marks about it, but I right. do push against it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm with you on that kind of perspective. So there's a lot of things where we kind of hear this hearsay. And I think the difference between me and a lot of people is that a lot of people, once they hear it from several journalists, it becomes fact to them. All they do yeah. have to do is, oh, look, all of these tier one journalists are saying, therefore it's fact. But for me, anything that uh, is secondhand, so anything I don't hear the actual person saying, I register it. It's not like I completely dismiss it. I register it. So I obviously I still bring up and still talk about it, but it's not fact to me. So this whole kind of like who made the final signing, we'll never know. Just like you. So I can't, I, I don't necessarily go off that. But my thing is this, though. If the manager's good at talent ID, then it doesn't matter if the scouting department come with rubbish. If they're good at talent ID, the, the, the manager's able to kind of swat the rubbish away. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like yeah. I, look at, I look at the manager as a gate. And I think a, good, a manager with good talent ID, even if they're bought rubbish, they've got the good enough chops in talent ID to say no. And so that's why when I look back at his other, not just Chelsea, but his other kind of periods at clubs, there's question marks as, for me as well, but maybe more than, than you. Now, with the Lukaku thing, you said that actually the way he dealt with the Lukaku thing, you, you think there are some flaws around that. Can you just give me a little bit more on that? Um, I just feel like in terms of um, how he used them, right? Yeah. And um, li listen, like I think people talk a lot about chance creation but people don't actually um, give you the full story about chance creation because chance creation does, just doesn't just rely on the creator or having creators around the forward, for example. Mm -hmm. It's also about your movement because two yeah. things create a chance. It's the movement of the forward yeah. and, and the pass or, or the creator itself, right? Yeah. And I feel like um, maybe, listen, this is also like uh, self-induced by Rukaku, yeah. but you can tell like the, the way he dealt with him, for me personally, this is another assumption. Yeah. I feel like the way he dealt with him in terms of his personality and, the, yeah. the trust he gave him probably wasn't right and yeah. that hurt us in the end it hurt us yeah. as, as, as an overall yeah. but again on the other hand I do like to give to both sides of my argument on the other hand like the, the guy did not give uh, to, Lukaku didn't give Tuchel much reason to trust him anyways because of what he did so I, think, I understand why it was done yeah I think you I think you actually bring up a good point in Tuchel and him dealing with players I've, I've said it before I think the best managers they're good at the carrot and the stick they can, you know, praise players and motivate players, but they can also kind of give them the cold shoulder and be someone that actually you're afraid to go into the dressing room at halftime when you're losing because, do you know what I'm saying? You're going to be read the right act. And I feel like all the best managers have a healthy balance of both. 
um, with with Tuchel, sometimes I feel like it has to be balanced. It can't just be, do you know what I'm saying? You still kind of have to be able to give someone the right act without actually just cutting that relationship. And I think with Mourinho at Chelsea, when he first came here, because they adored him so much and they kind of saw him as the special one and like there was this mist around him. So I think he was able to get away with it more. But as the mist is cleared, do you know what I'm saying? People started to challenge him again. And I think with Tuchel, um, like some like some of these attackers, it just I don't I don't think he's able to win them back. So like I feel like he could be super critical and then that just kind of cuts the relationship. And as we talked about with Conte and Lukaku, and I just think in general, I feel like you need to be able to have the player motivated. And if that player feels like scorned and attacked by you, then you kind of yeah. lose that ability to, you know, motivate them and get them to play for you. 100%. And, and you know what it is? Because uh, I've seen examples of him doing this really well, right? Yeah. Uh, for example, Antonio Rudiger. Like yeah. a lot of people talk about how Antonio Rudiger improved, etc. And mm-hmm. people talk about his ability as a defender, right? Like this isn't the thing where Space Jam, where your ability is taken out and uh, you it back to you. Yeah. It's not like... A, with, with, with Rudiger, I feel like, again, you spoke about this earlier, about environment and, and right. the situation around you. Like, yeah. Tuchel provided the right environment for Rudiger yeah. to thrive. He gave him that full faith. And, and exactly, and the trust, most importantly. And, and that, that showed in, in Rudiger's performances. Like, it improved gradually and it became one of the best centre-backs in the league, right? Yeah. But that wasn't, that wasn't consistent and that wasn't, for me, um, a balance throughout the squad. Like, there were some players yeah. where I don't feel like he dealt with them in that manner. Right, Maybe our attackers, and and you know yeah. what, you know what, with don't forget because he's coming, and a lot of people are like, oh, it's a mishmash of different managers. I hate that. Uh, there's there's certain takes on, on Chelsea Twitter and just in football Twitter in general that I feel like are played. Not necessarily that there's nothing to them, but this whole oh, it's a mishmash of different managers. I feel like that's the situation that most managers are going to come into when they've come into a new job, because generally, obviously, like we've got two examples now of Liverpool and City who have been successful for where their club's at and therefore the managers stayed there. But only a few teams can be successful, right? Or relatively more can be, but like a lot, there's most teams are cycling through their managers. And so most managers coming in are going to come to this situation where it's a mismatch, which is why I hate that point. It's not like it's not true, but it's just like, that's just path and the course at this point. Um, and like, what was I going to say? I can't remember that. I, I had a good point, but I just, I got diverted. But it's okay. Maybe it'll come back to me. Um, do you, do you know, sorry, sorry. Do you know what you said about uh, Liverpool and, and City, right? And yeah. about mismatch players. I, I kind of hold that opinion myself, but I do think that for you, in order for you to have a squad that's built around your image, you kind of have to earn that, right? I feel like Klopp and Pep, I feel like they both earned that right um, to, well, to they, build that squad exactly, in their image. They stayed, they stayed there for long. And this is, this is my, my yeah. point. What I was, my, yeah. The point that I was going to make was, is I don't necessarily mind Tuchel looking at players that were already here and like, mm, they're not really my cup of tea, right? Because he didn't bring them in. But when it's a player like that's coming in, especially for massive money, they better be a Tuchel player. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why I like when people talk about talent ID, I think that the Lukaku one was such a flop because he's not a Tuchel player at all. And I feel like if there's anyone that's going to know what a Tuchel player is, it should be Thomas Tuchel. And I could 100%. see it. And I don't understand why he didn't see it. But yeah, that's why I feel like it's an L. But to be fair, I like Tuchel. You like Tuchel, so we don't need to roast him no more. Are you ready to get into the team? 100%. Okay, we've been starting from the back. I feel like we've got to continue from the back. Otherwise, it'll, it'll end in the anti-climax. So, 
every single time they've gone with the, the Senegalese giant, the African giant in goal. What have you done? I've also uh, gone with the uh, Senegalese giant, of course. Uh, Mendy, yeah. I yeah. feel like, um, listen, last season was a bit of a blip for him. I think he started off really well. Yeah. And there were shouts, again, there was reactionary shots about him being the best keeper in the world, etc. Then, so surprisingly, it went down to, oh, he's, <laughs> maybe he's not as good as we thought. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the answer is in between. Like, he's a good keeper. And I feel like um, he's, he's, he's earned his right to, to be our starting keeper this season. Can I, can I put my hands up? And I, I might have spread a couple of those rumours that he's the best goal. <laughs> I might have done that. I might have started that, that bad guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry for putting that pressure on you, my, my brother. It's okay. No, the the, the our media man is strong, man. It's the strong. media machine is strong. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So we won't dwell on the Mendy thing, but we'll we'll continue. Now, at this stage, I always come to this kind of uh, topic because we're coming to the defenders with traditionally played a back three. A huge amount of the fan base seem to want to return. They're, they're desperate, you know, they're starving to go back to a back four. I don't know why, but I think maybe because they feel like we're too defensive with a back three. So at this point, I'm going to ask you to kind of give it away. What, what are you going to go with? Are you going to stick with the 3-4-3 three, three, or as a director, of football, right. are you going to persuade Tuchel to switch? I'll, I'll persuade Tuchel to switch, but, but I'll, I'll say one thing, right? The, the you know, the, the sayings behind the back three and, the narratives around it, I, I actually push back on myself. I don't like it. People say it's too defensive. I disagree with that. People say it's, it's the worst one. The worst one that I hate to hear is, "Oh, it's so easy to figure out." Like if that was true, then that applies to every formation. Like it's not how it works. Yeah, but for, for me, the, the reason I did go to that, I'll, I'll tell you what. You might not like this actually, because I feel like to me, we have a lot of midfielders that I wanna, you know, incorporate into this team, right? Mm -hmm. Or like our, our strengths is probably in that eight position. And, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot of players that, for example, the Gallagher's of this world that have come into, yeah. even someone like Ruben, right? Ruben yeah. who actually gets a lot of unfair criticism because yeah. I don't think he once played in his, in his rightful position last year. Yeah. But I feel like he thrives in that eight. And obviously our, 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 um, our, our boy Wonder, Mason Mount, he's, he's also, <laughs> I feel like he, he yeah. thrives in, in that number eight. So yeah. I, I kind of have to, had that in mind when I went to a back four. Why do you, why do you think that I might like it? I don't know, because I feel like it's a narrative again. And, and I don't think you like narratives. I think you like people that come up with their own like critical thoughts, you know? And oh. that, 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 yeah, no. that is one narrative that I actually agree with. Though. No, no, no. Like, listen, when it comes down to it, don't, you can't fight the truth just because it's the truth and everybody's saying it. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not against that. But I feel like what you're saying is, I don't necessarily think this is something everybody's saying, but I do feel like, because I think that there is a debate in our fan base What's the area that needs help the most? And obviously, with the like with the people departing, it's kind of made it to defense. But a lot of people are saying it's attack or defense. Um, that yeah. Sorry. yeah, no, but no. To be fair, I think a lot of people are saying our midfield's the issue. But you're saying our midfield is the strength, and we've got a lot of good players there. And therefore, why are we only playing two midfielders when actually we've got this? And I, I agree with that. I can't. Do you know what I'm saying? I can't. Um, fight back against that and I think it's uh, a, sm a smart do you, do, do you know what by the way in, ter in terms of um, what you said about our centre-backs that's also a point that, that I think drives the, the back four for me like yeah. we've lost two centre-backs I think Aspie looks, looks like he's on his way out as well so to me I just feel like if you've lost that many centre-backs instead of trying to go big with three centre-backs just concentrate on two uh, you know uh, br bring in um, a centre-back like Levi into, into the squad and then you have three options for, for a back four instead of you know, trying to accommodate to a back three. Yeah. 
So if I'm that, that's another point that drives it, which is yeah. cool. And I'm too cool. I'm saying, yeah, but we've spent 18 months building a back free formation and, and sitting in this structure. And therefore, I want to go for the title of the season. I don't want to spend the season trying to get to a new formation. I want to hunt these guys down. So I, I don't mind what formation we play, but I feel like maybe it's sunk cost fallacy in terms of we've spent this long kind of developing this formation. And so I don't want to start from square square one, coaching the back four. So what would you say to that? What I'll say is, obviously, first of all, I don't know better than the manager, right? But, but if I were to advise him, obviously, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell him that in terms of a, of, a, of a formation, I think what's more important than the formation is the profiles that you have within the formation, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like if, if we have these profiles, you can still maintain, like, the aspects that we have over back three of, like, the solidity and keeping the ball and that, that um, gagging press that he wants to have with the system. So I don't think it will be a big change. Like it's not something that is uh, big to transition to. It's not something that c- could be um, uh, detrimental to to but, you uh, to having the title okay. challenge. I feel like we need Tuchel in this conversation to answer whether it's a big change or not. And I can't make that. I can't make that assumption. But yeah. I, I, I'm with you on the strategy. Um, so we're going with a back four. We've said we've got Mendy yeah. in goal. Um, let's start with Reece, <laughs> Let's start with Reece James. I'm not even going to do a reveal because he's been in every single team. So we'll start with Reece James at right back. Do you have anything to say on Reese James or shall we move on to the next? Listen, all I've got to say is positive. I feel like he's genuinely shown that his levels, like is his quality both on and off the ball and going forward and backwards, like genuinely high, high quality. I've been very impressed with him. I think I, I, um, I had reservations actually about him in a wing-back position, yeah. but he's definitely proved me wrong. I did. I so think I, I did too, you know. I think I yeah. did too. I, I was, I was like under Lampard and stuff like that. But yeah, he's, he's definitely. I feel like, I think when I had the reservations about Reese James because Reese James, I don't think is the most aggressive one-on-one player. And I feel like before when we was playing, I remember we were playing wing backs and the ball would come to Reese James and Reese James would pass it back to whoever was exactly. Like, and yeah. We just there was no, there was little progression, but I feel like in this two-ball formation. I feel like it's changed where rather than hanging out as a kind of winger or like on the touchline, he's been getting into the box a lot more and taking up higher positions. And so he's like, again, when he's in the final third, he's good at crossing and he's good at shooting. And so he's been able to be more dangerous rather than receiving it midway up the pitch. And I think that's kind of helped. Plus, I feel like when he comes inside, he's better. For whatever reasons, I don't know. Maybe it's the I don't know. Maybe it's just Tuchel's coaching, but he seems a lot better right wing back under Tuchel than under Lampard. What do you think about Reese James for captain? Because if as P leaves, we probably need a new captain. So this is a question I don't think I've asked people. But um, if, if um, Reese James, just think about who you'd give it to. But what do you think about Reese James as captain? I mean, as soon as you said captain, I kind of knew who to give it to, and it wasn't Reese. Okay, so we'll, um, if we get there, if we get to yeah. that person, then we can talk about that person. All right, so Reese James. But, yeah, go, go, on. On, go on. I was going to say, for, for Reese, that's the one thing that is against him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this, for me, is important. I feel like being vocal on a football pitch. I'm, I've been to games myself, yeah. and I don't see him being very vocal. I do see him leading by example and, and being kind of, you know, um, and being our best performer, but I kind of want a um, a captain who's who's vocal, who's who's able to command yeah. his 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 team, and I don't feel like Reese has that ability. Reese, I feel like Reese doesn't speak because you know, like 
those guys that are big that don't speak, they're scarier. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know <laughs> yeah, why, yeah. but they're scarier. And I feel like it'll mess up his image if he starts talking too much. But um, <laughs> to be fair, I agree with you. I like vocal leaders. And um, yeah, I think he does his talk, talking with his physicality rather than, you know what I'm saying, all the rhythm things. Like all right, cool. Um, so it's up. The floor's over to you. Who's you going to go to next? Uh, so I'll, I'll go to to my actual captain for next season is to Thiago Silva. Thiago he's on the right. Okay. Yeah. Thiago Silva is genuinely like you watch him. Uh, I've watched this club for a long time, mm-hmm. but you know when someone's world class, you just notice that like he's different. He's different yeah. to everyone. He's he's genuinely one, like based based on on his ability as a centre back, one of the best I've seen in, at the bridge. And well, to, he's despite his age, he's performed to a very very high level. He's, he's always, even though he doesn't speak the language, I still yeah. feel like he's very vocal. He communicates in his own way. Yeah, yeah. He can command the back four. So to me, he's my captain and, and I'm will not he, even thinking twice. Will he be world-class at 38? I, I, think he, I think he can still be. Like, his, his, um, there was one thing that stood out for me, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. His first season when he came in, mm-hmm. this, this is just one incident, right? Yeah. It, it was, we went to Old Trafford yeah. with Lampard, right? And um, this is when Thiago Silva improved and improved his class. Like, uh, there was one incident where Cavani was going into the um, the near post and he was about yeah. to, to stop it in, right? Yeah. Thiago Silva was behind him when he got there first. Like, he got there first because yeah. he thinks before yeah. everyone else. Like, his mind just works at a mad level. He was, and he, he got there first. He was amazing that game. He was amazing. Yeah. I think Mendy had a great game that game as well. Um, yeah. And the, the, to be fair, the physical condition that he's in as well is very impressive. That's not spoken it about is, enough. It is, it is so I feel like he can cope. He can cope at this level. It is very impressive. You're, you're, you're putting him in the back four. And as people on Spaces are saying, one of the reasons why we play a back three is to minimise Thiago Silva because he has to cover more ground and all of this, etc., etc. So what do you say about that? Because for me, anyway, I still feel like a 38-year-old Thiago Silva is faster than... John Terry, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I feel yeah. like I feel like like people would be happy for John Terry to play like like I'm sure like everyone would be happy for John Terry to play in the back four, but apparently Thiago Silva can't play in the back four. And I just wanted to make it make sense. Do you know what it is? I feel like this whole can't play in the back four, that that's that's obviously incorrect, right? In my eyes. Yeah. I feel like maybe it's in terms of maintaining him, right? Maybe like three games a week in a back four could be tougher on him physically. Fair. It's fair. But, it's- yeah. I mean, it's fair. But, okay. Yeah, but, but I still think, listen, I still think if, if you minimise his games, he, he's still going to perform at a high level in about four this, or about three. Uh, this team is, isn't about uh, minimising games, by the way. This is the core team that will play most yeah. of the games of the season. And you're comfortable with 38-year-old Thiago Silva, even if his met- metabolic age is 21, but you're comfortable with him being the main man next season, yeah? 100%. 100%. All right, cool. All right, cool. You don't doubt it. It's cool. All right, so who are you having partner in Thiago Silva? Because Thiago Silva's 38, so you're going to get, like, a young person, like, maybe Colwell. What are you going to do? What are you going to have, have as a partner? No, that, that's, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to go the opposite way. Obviously, okay. um, look, look, looking at the news today, and um, you spoke about Senegalese giant. This is another Senegalese giant. <laughs> Twig giant. Koulibaly. Yeah, yeah Koulibaly, man. I feel like mobility-wise on the ball, um, just commanding the intangibles that people love. Like, he's got yeah. all of that, so... I feel like he, he's, going to, he's going to be part of my main core as well. But can I ask you this question, though? If I had you doing this a month ago, would Koulibaly be in there? Or is it just because it's coming to the, the new month that he might sign? Is that the only reason? Would you have the lit? Uh, 
I would have the lick. I'm a big fan of the lick. I would have the lick. Yeah. Period. Why would you? So, so if you if you could choose right now, the right. lick or Killer Valley, you'd take the lick. I would take the lip, yeah. But that's because, um, partly because of the age as well, age profile. Okay. Um, and in, in terms of the, the centre backs right now, I feel like Kolobali is better. Okay. But I think Tuchel was looking at a long term replacement, and that's why mm-hmm. it was uh, was heavily linked with us. I feel like I feel like Kolobali can be a long term thing though, because really and truly, I don't know enough about Kolobali. To be fair, he has had injury issues, so that's actually something to factor in, and that's when he was younger. So maybe he can't be an evergreen person like Thiago Silva. Um, but I don't think for defence, I don't think 31 is old. Like, I remember people tried to retire John Terry when he got to 30. And I remember even Benitez when he was like 31, it was like, oh, John Terry, he hasn't got a pace to play in the Premier League anymore. And then Mourinho came back and what happened? We won the league with John Terry. Hold that, Rafa, fat Rafa. Who, by the way, people wanted to come in over Tuchel. Fuck's sake, people are so dumb. <laughs> Anyway, do you, do you know what? John yeah. Terry that season played every single minute of the Premier League. Well. This is what I'm every saying. Yeah, John yeah. Terry played in the back four. You know, he hasn't got the place to do it, but we can't play in a high line. <laughs> the high line that he struggled in was the AVB high line that when AVB went to Spurs, everyone realised, oh shit, it wasn't John Terry. It was just AVB is Kamikaze. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and people blaming him. Um, it's not necessarily that you have to be mad fast. Just because you're a defender doesn't like I just feel like sometimes I feel like if we was to buy a profile of Ricardo Cavallo today in defense people are going to get like oh my god he's too short oh my god he's not uh, a bodybuilder do you know what I'm saying and like I feel like for some reason this generation I don't know where it's developed from I'm going to give suggestions I'm not saying it's necessarily fact but maybe it's because playing on computer games they've used the defensive plays in a certain way in transition but I feel like of course having a fast player you know, can help you. But John Terry wasn't fast at all. Yet he's one of the greatest defenders in Premier League history. So everything's not pace and power. Do you know what I'm saying? The beauty about football is that everybody is different. Everybody's blessed with different skills. Some people are short and they can be amazing short. Some people are tall and they can be shit tall. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So I just, yeah, I I feel like sometimes we need to get away from this just, oh, it's got to be six foot and strong. Because like, that doesn't necessarily make you the best. Um, but with Kulibaly, um, are you saying you know enough about him or what? What? Let me, like, give me, like, how certain are you that he'll be a good signing for us? Listen, in, in terms of my knowledge, if I was to rank out of 10, I'll yeah. probably say it's a seven, right? Because okay. I'm, I'm a big sorry fan, obviously. And I'm so, uh, sorry that season, okay. I, was, I was watching him um, a lot. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, just, he, just, he's, he looks very complete. In terms of a centre back, in terms of what you need in the modern game, but I'm quite, I'm very confident that he'll work out because I feel like those like what you need first of all is of course your ability as a centre back, but also the intangibles are uh, uh, tough to find in today's age, and he has all of that. So yeah. I feel like it will, it will work out. I've just, just noticed this feels like an echo chamber. I like too many of your opinions. That's not Chelsea hours about. <laughs> I probably I might not invite you back. We need people with different opinions, but it's cool. Um, I'm, I'm a sorry fan too, um, and I'm glad if Kulibaly's over the line, it's a sorry base. Do you know what I'm saying? Kulibaly, 100%. Jorginho, That's very ironic. Very We're, ironic. Yeah, restoring the feeling. <laughs> All right, cool. So we've got uh, Mendy in goal. We've got Reese James right back, Thiago Silva, and Kulibaly as the centre backs. Back four. Who have you got left back? Yeah, I've got uh, Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell. Benjamin Chilwell. So 
before you go on about Chilwell, a lot of people haven't had him as playing a major role next season because they feel like coming back from a major injury, it'll be too much for him. What do you think about that? You know, I had those reservations myself, but when, when I saw him come back in the uh, final game of the season, I was very, very... Uh, this wasn't spoken about enough, but I was very shocked. Like, mm. I, that was a comeback that was a lot earlier than I expected. Mm. And that, that kind of gave me the, the, the confidence to put him in the team. Yeah. I think like a whole preseason where he can assess his injury and possibly ease back into it will mean that he's 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 available to play, you know, yeah. within the, within the first game of the season. And I think it's important to have good backup to him just in case yeah. he still has you know injury worries. But he's definitely going to be a start. This is, this is the first eleven, but occasionally I'll ask you to kind of peer beneath the first eleven and kind of get your opinions on who should be the supporting player. So. Uh, who would you have supporting Chihuahua at left back? I'll be very honest. I actually don't. This is something that I've racked my brain thinking about. I, I don't have many um, alternatives. Like I, I can think of, okay. I think that, what I think, will, I'll give you what I think will happen. Mm-hmm. I think Emerson might actually be the, the backup. Okay. And people, people might, might not like this. I'm not his biggest fan, but mm-hmm. for some reason, I just feel like Tush really likes the guy. I don't know. Just the way he speaks about him. Does. I read really, I really into what he says. Yeah, I feel yeah. like he really likes him. And, and I, do, I do think he wanted to bring him back in January. Yeah. Know, people push back on that. Yeah. So that, that indicates to me that he'll probably be uh, the backup. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and then on Chilwell, one thing I'll say is, didn't he come when we signed him? Didn't he just come off the back of a long-term injury? And then he came into the team and he was good from the beginning, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah. 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 So there we, there we have it. There we have it. Confidence, yeah. Um, all right, so we've got three in midfield, right? Now, you said you're a sorry star. You know, you, you're giving, you're really turning off the, the proper Chelsea lot, right? So you're not going to tell me you're going to put that man, that J5, uh, that J55, that's what they call it. You're not going to tell me you're gonna <laughs> that guy in um, that weak, you know, slow foreigner. You're not t- Are you going to put him in your team? Of course I am. Of course I am. Oh, he's going to probably get that new contract soon as well. Oh, Dick. We just I hear what you said. They've just paused the podcast, like half the people listening. So why, why Jorginho? Listen, I feel like Jorginho, um, last year, it wasn't his best season. Mm-hmm. But I put that down to, to one thing. And I think it's, it's uh, being overplayed. Like, if, if I were to, to listen to what, what was said about him in terms of how he was, um, he was taking injections to play you know, games, you know, uh, consecutive games. And yeah. that obviously will affect him. He's, he's not someone who has physicality. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not a fool. Like, I can see that clearly, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of the whole oh, transitional phase. Like, mm-hmm. And, and that, that whole argument itself to me is just very weak because, listen, as a CDM, you're not supposed to be facing transitions constantly anyways, if we're being honest, right? And, and I think what I love about him is that the fact that he just, he keeps the ball within our team. They're yeah. the best form of defending for me is ball retention. And that's something that we have in abundance when he's in the team. Yeah. I feel like he's someone who also uh, always demands the ball. That's mm-hmm. so important to me in the midfield. Like, I, I've watched other midfielders take a spot in my own team, the Chelsea. Yeah. And they're just, they're afraid of, of being under pressure in, yeah. in, you know, in the, in the opponent's final third. But he's someone who never shies away from that. He yeah. always takes the pressure off our defenders. And I feel like he, he has a good partnership with, with the midfielders that I'm going to mention as well. So to me, it's just a no-brainer. Like, I still feel like he's, he's able to, to be a starter for us. So we've got Mendy. I think Mendy's like, what is he, 30-something? We've got Thiago Silva, 38. 
we got Kulabali, 31, going on 32. We got Jorginho, I think 30, right? So yeah. it's like, what is it? It's like the, the expendables. What is it? Like, what are you trying to build? What are you trying to get into? No, I'm, I'm just building a team that, that I'm confident in, really. Like, yeah. I, I, don't look at, I don't look at too much age. I just, you mentioned it yourself, Kulabali. Like, it's not really just about age. Mm-hmm. So it's a, what, you, what, you, what you are as a player, your, your profile. I feel like they, they, can, they can deal with many situations. That experience is very, very important. And yeah. I've also mixed it with, with um, youngsters in the team. So I feel yeah. like it's a, it's a perfect blend. Yeah, I had to say it just because people listening might say, I don't necessarily, I feel like I did mention it before. People start hearing the free digit, you know, as the first digit, and then they start losing their shit. But when, do, do, do you know what I'll say to push yeah. back on that, by the way? Yeah. Like the last time, another last time, sorry, before that, 14 um, 15, when we were favourites to win the league, et cetera, right? Which I don't think it's going to happen this year. But mm-hmm. our, our core group of players were of a certain age. And, yeah. and to, me, to me, that is important. Like, it's very, very important to have people that can manage games, that can that have that experience. And the players that I have in, in my core, my defence and my uh, CDM, they have all of that in abundance. So, <laughs> so I definitely trust it. You know what it is? It's like people in the moment, people always look at the alternative because I definitely remember now people are reflecting, oh, I missed the days when we had Frank Lampard and John Terry and et cetera, et cetera. But as I said, people try to retire that team early because people say, it's still Mourinho's team. They've been here for six years. We need to get rid of them. They're, you know, they're, they're aging. They're an aging team because they're 29, 30 and stuff like that. We need younger players, et cetera, et cetera. And then as soon as that team got broken up, then everyone's like, where's the leaders? You know, where, where's the experience, et cetera, et cetera. So no matter where it's at, people are going to go the other way when shit hits the fan. But like you said before, we've won with these this kind of age profile. So I don't want to hear this shit. I, I really don't want to hear this shit. But anyway, we've sorted out the back and we sorted out the, the anchor man position. And so you've got two box-to-box midfielders that are going to be the fulcrum, like the, the main guys that are going to spearhead our title challenge. And who have you gone for? Um, on the left-hand side? On the left-hand side, I went for the golden boy. The boy had a dream, Mason Mount. For like, um, have you, are you under duress? Are you trying to make no. <laughs> you put Jorginho in the team? No, no, of course not. Listen, I'm, I'm one of the, you know, probably a small number of people that believes that, that listen, they can both coexist and uh, I don't, okay. don't know why. They, they're, they're, they're actually best friends. Like, Choose a side. Choose a side. <laughs> The, the funny thing is, is that they're actually best friends outside the football pitch. You always see them. I think they went to America together, yeah. went to Miami. They were just they were just chilling together. It was just weird to me because they're different ages as well. But yeah. no, they, listen, I don't belong to one court or the other. I just, I believe in this team. And I, and I think Mason Mount, listen, he has his deficiencies. Mm-hmm. He has his problems. But like he's going to be in this team and I, I believe in him. And I feel like mm-hmm. in terms of creativity and, and his, his work off the ball, which is very, very important. It's valuable to this team. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do next season. It's, it's so funny when people have to preface it by saying he has his deficiency. We talked about Tuchel earlier. And as much as I'm a Tuchel fan, you're a Tuchel fan, I wanted to get into his negatives. We talked about, you know, John Terry, one of the best defenders ever. But of course, he has negatives. Whenever we talk about players, it's going to be, you know, positives and negatives. Jorginho has positives and negatives. Mount has positives and negatives. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's it's always funny these kind of like camps that have kind of formed and the Mount fans attack Jorginho's negatives. Jorginho fans attack Mount's negatives. Like, yeah, players are, are 
like superhuman. Do you know what I'm saying? They all kind of have negative at school. But with Mount, with Mount, are you putting him in your 11 more because you know that the manager will probably play him regularly? Or if you had a little bit more influence, like if, if you had that close relationship with Tuchel as the director of football and he kind of really trusted your opinion that actually Tuchel, maybe do this instead and then Tuchel would probably open and listen to it. Then would you change it and would you maybe think of putting another midfielder in there? If, if this episode was literally one year ago, okay. my answer would be, of course, uh, he wouldn't be in my team. Okay. But I feel like he's, he's had a big year, like in terms of like t- taking responsibility of this team. I feel like in big moments where he's shown up, where I feel like um, one of the things that I used to criticize him about so much actually was was his his shot taking, like a, his, the the choices of shots he makes and yeah. the final third um, a creation. But that's something that I've seen improve. And to me, like he's proved me wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I wasn't like his biggest fan last year. But listen, if if you prove it on the pitch, then then I'm gonna be on your side, and I'm definitely on your side now. No, I like it. I like it. I like that attitude because a lot of people can just kind of get stuck in that opinion. Do you know what I'm saying? So I always like it when I hear that development of a journey. What I will say is about Mount, when he takes loads of shots, it is frustrating, but I feel like sometimes we try to, we need to remember these are young players and really and truly, the only way you're going to get good at becoming a shooter is if you take loads of shoot the shots. The only way you're going to become good at dribbling is if you, like, because dribbling is high risk, do you know what I'm saying? Even the best dribblers don't have like 80, 90%. The ones that actually take their man on often, they don't have like high completion rates. It's about from about 60 or whatever. So it's high risk, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like we do try to look at players and be like, oh, you're shooting too much, you're shooting too much. When when it comes down to it, that's how they're going to get good at shooting. That's the only way, you know what I'm saying? And it is frustrating because when you're at the beginning of the journey and you're shooting too much and it's not materialising the goals, it is frustrating. But I feel like it's a good reminder um, off of the back of the progression you've seen that actually we need to give these players space to grow and not try to kind of coach them or kill them for not being perfect at these things at the beginning. The fact that Mount likes to get goals, really and truly, we should encourage that. And my next question then is, if Mount is in left central midfield, but every single season um, I hear Mount saying, oh, next season I want to get more goals, more assists. Next season I want to get more goals, more assists. Do you feel like that maybe that there's going to be a, a vulnerability on that left side of the pitch because Mount, who's he's very, per- like, I don't think this is a negative thing based off of kind of what I just said, but he wants to be the hero, right? So it's not yeah. just all about the team for, for Mount. It's, like, all right, it's me as well because I, I need to take care of my shit because people on Twitter are trying to kill me. So even if we don't win the league, I need to get double-double goals and assists, you know what I'm saying? So does that maybe potentially yeah. be a vulnerability on the left side if Mount's always trying to get into the box to score? I'll I tell you what, I, I don't think it does because like the one thing that is actually great about him, think about it, is I mentioned his off-the-ball work. I don't think that will that will decrease because that's just who he is. Like, he's, he's got that, that complete desire to always... You know, press and always implement that official system. That's still, that's still high up the pitch. Like again, counter pressing. Like if he, that's yeah. still high up the pitch. I'm talking about our vulnerability in behind. Right. So, so I feel like the vulnerability will always be there, though. Like if 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 we play that kind of system of that that game press, right? That that vulnerability will always be there, no matter who's on the left. Because I feel like 
If you look at, like, for example, Liverpool, yeah, like Liverpool implement this high pressing system, and there's always that vulnerability. But but they they they've actually managed to to find a way to, to combat that. Liverpool don't have a goal scoring midfielder. Do you know what I'm saying? They don't have someone that's always trapped in a box. All of them guys kind of they're functional. They're the ones that are taking when the fullbacks are going forward. And if we want Chilwell and Reese to have goal scoring seasons like they did last season, then we probably need yeah. a, like two midfielders that are actually going to do the firefighting backways. Now, my question to you is: if you want yeah. to free Mount to be that attacking influence, then why not play Jorginho and Kovacic double pivot and then let Mount be free. Um, you, you know what it is, yeah? You, you see with the system, it's a 4 3 free, right? Yeah. I feel like it, it, can, it can become what, what you're saying. Like, in, yeah. in, in, uh, for example, if you're, if you're in a defensive structure or you're facing the ball, then it yeah. can become that. Or right. when you attack, Mount goes more, Mount goes forward. Like, you know when I look at formations, people always assume that other formation will always be set this way. No, like, it's supposed to be, you know, um, versatile. It's supposed to change yeah. structure. Yeah. All right, cool. That's, some, that's something we saw with Tuchel last year, by the way, a lot yeah. with Daziac on the right, the Sheik on the right. The, our, our formations changed within the, the time of the game, depending on what we're facing. No, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. All right, so this is um, the final part of the episode. Already been a good one, thanks for coming on. Um, but we're not wrapping up. We've still got an attack to do. Um, and it's up to you where you want to start, Lens. Where are we going to go? Um... I'll start on the left. I feel like this is probably the most controversial one. Okay, cool. On, on the left hand side. Wait, 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 wait. If it's the most controversial, we can leave that to last. <laughs> okay, I'll leave it to last. I'll leave it to last. Perfect. So I'll, I'll start from the middle now. Okay. Because uh, this is probably the most um, secure one for me. Like okay. I, I probably think it will be um, consensus around the fan base. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I'll go with Kai. And with Kai, um, listen, I'll just give you my opinion. I feel like uh, I've had. I've had some patience with him mm-hmm. uh, when he signed. I felt like he was was misused, and you could see, you could tell. But uh, the one thing that stands out to me, the first game of the season, where he was on the pitch, right? That that just gives me an indication that this was a signing that wasn't probably popular with the manager. Probably wasn't. This is an assumption, but probably wasn't picked out by the manager. Mm-hmm. It was a, a signing made because it was an opportunity, and it was a young player that was probably going to thrive and go straight to the top. Mm-hmm. But he went through a lot of. Like being uh, a lot of being misused and mm-hmm. a different manager and and you know there was an illness at the time but mm-hmm. after that after the second season my patience kind of ran out and I was like okay I want to see more from you mm-hmm. and I saw some glimpses but I feel like this season there is no competition there, there is no Lukaku to come in and and you know take take minutes off you now it's time for you to kind of be in that middle position and be be the the spearhead be the main guy. And I want to see more from Kai, and, and I've, I've picked him to, to spearhead my attack. And so, and so, what if he doesn't show you what you want to see? Then, then what? What are you going to do? Then what? What I'm going to do is listen. Yeah. I might cut ties. I might <laughs> cut ties because I feel like he's had enough time. I feel like a whole season is enough time for me. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I, I think with Tammy, if I go to, to to an example, Tammy had one season, and even though he scored like a good number of goals, you could tell that his overall performances weren't good enough. So for Kai, I feel like it might be something similar. Like if, if you have a whole season where you have no competition and, and you're, you're, you're being played consistently, I want to see like, like improvements. It's interesting. What was you... Talk to me about how you was with the whole debate earlier in the season when uh, Lukaku got injured and then Kai came in and then... I, I don't know where it started. I think maybe it started at Chelsea. I don't know. But I, I remember from very early, even when Lukaku was playing, I was like, look, we played better football with Kai up top. 
and I, and I think I mentioned fluid and that almost became like a, a, a haram word or whatever, do you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> yeah. what, what was your kind of thoughts of, at that point, of the kind of like, who to play up front, Lukaku or Kai? What was your thoughts on it? Um, I, I, was, I was still with, with Lukaku at that time. And um, I, I didn't like the whole fluidity thing. I, I wasn't a big fan of it because I feel like, yes, the team played better, mm. but at the end of the day, individually, like you weren't performing to a high level. Like I feel like uh, in terms of affecting the score sheet, you didn't do much. But yes, I could see some other aspects of your game, but mm. for, for the fee that we bought you for, like I, I wanted to see more from you individually and I didn't see it. And I feel like there was a game uh, against Aston Villa where Lukaku came back and I felt vindicated for, for a couple of seconds. <laughs> And then it all fell apart. Yeah. So, but no, I wasn't a big fan of that. Now, for me, it's it's super interesting though because I feel like with Kai and we're talking about we're just talking about Mount and being patient and stuff like that. But I feel like with Kai, it's a difficult one because there is this urge to judge Kai as a striker, and it's not totally out of this. You know, I understand why it's been done because he's playing as the striker right but he isn't a striker <laughs> like when it comes down to it he didn't come through the academy as a striker um he only really started playing regularly for an extended period as a striker under Tuchel maybe you can kind of say back end of just as we bought him his final games for Lady Cusen because the, their striker got injured so then he deputized there for six or seven games but for someone who has like, I get with with a Tammy who's all his life has been, his game has just been mostly goals, right? That's Tammy Abraham. Or with any Lukaku, again, like, this is not, like, them guys have been strikers for, like, 20 years. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Or, like, like 17 years or whatever. Um, so, with, with Havertz, I'm just, like, do you feel like it's almost unfair that, he's expected to be, pro- like, striker prolific. Do you know what it is? I feel like, uh, actually, I spoke about this um, during, during that, that uh, the season, right? And it was this thing about what is his, what is his position? And I didn't like this, 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 this conversation because I don't like when someone doesn't have a set position because how can I, how do I accommodate for you in a team if I don't know what your set position is? But to me, I, I do look at it and think, you're talking about strikers. Like the modern day definition of a striker, I feel like that's kind of changed a little bit. When I look at the top teams, like I, I don't think of someone who's just spearheading an attack and just uh, waiting for balls on behind and on the end of crosses. Like I think of a player who is able to help with build up, is able to to kind of drop deeper and link up play. Like that's not something that I think we used to see a lot back in the day, and this is more common now. I feel like that's what Kai does well, especially when he has that freedom up top, um, where where he doesn't have to you know, accommodate to someone like Lukaku where he, he can be the spearhead and then kind of um, do, do, do his role well. Yeah. And I feel like in this, in, this, in this system, I don't know if you see the, the formation I have, it's, it's almost like a centre forward. It's not really a striker. It's someone who drops a bit deeper if he needs to. He can, he can give space for Mount to maybe exploit if he wants to get his goals. Yeah. The person on the right, who I won't mention, is, is a goal-getter himself. Yeah. So I feel like Kai will work well with him. Well do you know what? Do you know what? But so, so my thing is this. With, with Kai Havertz, I get that he's, because you said you don't like players where they don't have a defined position because it's almost like, give me give me your position so that I can set these expectations so I can be pissed off 
if you don't do those, do you know what I'm saying? But 100%, yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. But for me, it's like, when you say what is a striker, for me, um, and this is why a lot of people just say, no, he's a striker because he's playing up front. No, he's a striker, he's a striker. But for me, um, because coming up, I watched Italian football and so I went deep into it. I went down the rabbit hole and I was even studying the philosophy or whatever. And even with then, because like, think about AC Milan, when Ancelotti played his diamond formations, on purpose, Shevchenko, like he was a channel striker. So he'd have a Vieri or a John Dahl Thomason or a Crespo, and he was the main guy that stayed in the box. But Shevchenko was the channel guy who went out to the channels and kind of have the space or whatever. But it, with Italian philosophy, it wasn't necessarily about the positions. It was more about the roles. And when we talk about striker, it does what it says on the tin. And I feel like with strikers, it's really and truly, who is the one that's going to be actually the goal threat? The one that's going to be popping um, the shots off at the goal? Now, with a lot of people, they just say, oh, if you're playing in front of the goal, then you should definitely be the one that's popping off the most shots. But as you look in football and you said this kind of change, the landscape's kind of changed, before that person used to be the, the number nine, but more and more we're seeing wide strikers actually being the ones that are carrying the goal burden. Now, uh, uh, for me, in a team, I feel like before people just look at it and you just look at the kind of formation lineup and you're like, okay, cool, that guy's in the middle and the centre forward, therefore he's the striker. But when, when I analyse teams, I always look at it and say, okay, who's going to be the one that's shooting the most in that team? Um, because really and truly, the one that shoots the most Either, you know, um, they shoot the most and they've got such a poor conversion rate that maybe, unless they're a, unless they, if they're a younger player, then maybe, like I said before, you can give them room to grow. But really, they should do that growing, maybe in the academy or whatever. But I think that usually at a top team, the one that, that shoots the most, also they have a decent conversion rate and they're going to be the one that are going to be the goal scorers. So, like... We, we all know about kind of the Liverpool situation and it's changed this season because Nunes has come in, but Salah isn't the centre forward, but he's their striker because he's the one that is going to be the biggest goal threat. He's the one that's popping off shots. Now, I think with Kai Havertz, I don't necessarily think, and we'll talk about the rest of the team there, etc. that because of the way his game is, even though people are judging him and they're saying, oh, he's got to be scoring this much and that much, I always look at the role the roles that are playing. And I think that what we were missing last season is we were missing someone that was that main striker. And that main striker is the one that's going to get you loads of goals because they're the ones that always find a way, whether it's through movement, like you said, with Lukaku, he wasn't finding the movements to get into places. Or whether it's because they've got a cannon from, from long range, or whether it's because wherever, they just always find a way to shoot and to be a danger. And I think when you look at all of the best strikers across Europe, they can't be stopped. Cristiano Ronaldo came into a mess of a Man United team, a mess of Man United team. And he was still able to, to pop off shots. Lukaku, he outscored Lukaku in Italy at whatever age, 37 or whatever, came to the Premier League and then outscored him again because Lukaku, who's actually someone that when he gets the chance, he, he's quite a good converter. But Ronaldo always finds the way to pop off shots more. And that's why I feel like he's always a better striker than Lukaku because it's not necessarily about, like, you can be someone that, dribbles past someone once every five games. Doesn't make you a good dribbler. Because um, you've just taken, you've attempted one dribble and yes, you've been successful, but that's not enough. The that I'd rather someone that is going to dribble um, past people like 
try attempt to dribble past people eight times a game. And yeah, maybe only four times they get past, but that's an effective dribbler. And so like with Kai Havertz, when I push back on the fact that I don't think he's a main striker, it's because when I look at, I don't look at the position, I look at the, the profile, what he's doing. And I don't believe that he's in the box enough. And I don't think he's got that goal hunger enough to always, you know, be in the box to shoot. Now, I think that he's got good capabilities to score goals. I've always said it on the, these podcasts. Headers and volleys, I think he's really good at. Um, again, I think that the fact that he took penalties and the fact that Lukaku took penalties, I feel like it's super important for people to start adjusting and taking penalties out and, and not... Because I feel like if Tammy took penalties for Chelsea rather than Jorginho when he was at Chelsea, Tammy would still be starting for Chelsea because Tammy would have had like 22 goals and we haven't had a 20-plus strike for, for ages. And I feel like Lukaku scored at a similar rate at Inter Milan in his... MVP season at Man United, but at Man United, he didn't take the penalties. At Inter Milan, he took the penalties. And so everyone was gassed by this 20 plus season. And I just feel like Lukaku was never, for me, he wasn't getting those positions to shoot, shoot, shoot. And so with Kai, I'm not necessarily going to kill him for not being the prolific goal scorer because I don't think that's his role. And I feel like, again, just wrapping up this little kind of long rant, I just feel like with Lukaku, he's shown us he's shown us everything else that we're missing from that player in that central position. So if Kai Havertz is giving us all of that, right, but he's not scoring in a prolific way, but the team is playing bar and he, look, maybe we score, maybe we win 12-0 and he doesn't get on the score sheet. I'm not necessarily going to, if I, if he's actually occupying defenders, laying off, competing, et cetera, et cetera, for me, that's not a bad, like as much as rival fans are going to, bring up the numbers of that. For me, that's not a bad game. The bad game is Lukaku getting seven touches and doing this. So after that... I agree, like, yeah. Yeah, so after that little rant, so, so have I moved the needle on your opinion a little bit? Do, do you know what you made me realise? You actually made me realise that if, if that's his role, right, then I think it depends on who's partnering, partnering exactly. right? Exactly. So I, I think who you have next to him can, can make up for his lack of maybe... That, that goal-getting ability that he probably doesn't have, right? Because he's, he's not a striker in your eyes. Okay. So I feel like the person I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by is, is important. So, so who are you going to surround by as director of football? So on, on the right, obviously, it's, it's our signing. And it's, listen, um, for me, I, I'll just start off by saying I, I wasn't um, his biggest advocate. I wasn't, and I was saying that I feel like he can't, him on his own mm-hmm. as, as, a, as an attacking signing, like we might, we might find problems with. Mm-hmm. But... I've kind of, I've, I've thought of it and I've, I've looked at clips, I've, I've done my research and I've actually, I've become a little bit more excited about the signing and this is Raheem yeah. Sterling, right? But like Raheem Sterling, is, his, his goal-getting ability is underrated. Like at the end of the day, you talk a lot about shooters yeah. in the front three, right? Yeah. He's someone who is that. He's someone who definitely is that. He's, yeah. he's someone who might miss chances. He's, 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 not, he's quite profligate. You might see that yeah. um, certain easy chances are missed and City fans have, have talked about this. Yeah. But you can't deny his ability to get, get goals. And, yeah. and on top of that, if you watch his clips as well, he's also someone who has that one-on-one ability that we yeah. lack. Yeah. And, and to me, that's important. That, that's, that's a difference maker. Like, I, I talk a lot about chaos makers, like chaos yeah. creators. We yeah. just don't have enough of that in the front three. Yeah. And um, that's why I was, quite, I was very excited for uh, Dembele, but I just didn't work out. But yeah. someone like Sterling has that ability. He can be a chaos creator. His, his movement off the ball, obviously, we speak a lot about Werner and having that. Sterling also has that yeah. abundance. He's done that under Pep. So, he can be that goal guy. He can be our like top scorer, and Kai can be the facilitator for him a lot. Yeah, so that that kind of excites me. Okay, what about? Are you worried about the supply line? This is a Man City. Man City create the chances, the pep tax, all of that type of stuff. 
are you worried that potentially Sterling will have the same issues that Lukaku face, that Werner face, that a lot of these people that came in to be the main strikers, and I know that obviously he's not got the number nine in his back and he's not a tall striker, but if we're going to say that role-wise, he might be the person to get the most goals, do you feel like maybe there might be that creativity issue that a lot of people are talking about? No, I don't think it's that simple because I think you have to contextualise it with Lukaku. Like, you spoke a lot about um, relationships and, that, and then the atmospheres. I feel like Lukaku needs to have the right one, correct one, absolutely. Everything has to be around him. Mm-hmm. With Sterling, but, like, he's shown that you're in a very volatile system where you're easily interchangeable, right? Like mm-hmm. Pep looks at options that he has in terms of Mares in the past, Sane, like Nolito in the past, all these players that he brought in, right? Bro, mm-hmm. but, but Sterling was ever-present and that's credit to him, credit to his attitude, right? We can talk about ability all we like, but with Lukaku, it was more than that. It was, it was his personality and it was his, his pure desire. With Sterling, I don't doubt, I will never doubt his desire because he's proven that in other systems, for example, for England, he's worked well. And I feel like the supply line, uh, supply line at Chelsea could be an issue. But mm-hmm. again, I, I talked about chance creation and the movement. And, yeah. and Sterling has that again in abundance. So all yeah. these components put together, like it, it makes me confident that he'll work out. And I think he will get enough chances to, to be a high score scorer. I think I mentioned it on this podcast where I've constantly, like, I was constantly writing him off. I even say, listen, I feel like this is a safe space, even though it's not, because the audience is still going to trash me, right? But <laughs> I remember, <coughs> I remember, I kind of, I remember I used to say that Jordan Ibe was better than Sterling. I did. When, when both was that, when Jordan Ibe was coming through, Jordan Ibe's from Bermondsey. I'm not even going to say it's because he's from the same place I was. I don't know. I just kind of saw it. I was thinking, he looks better on the ball than Sterling. And is this Liverpool days you're talking about? Liverpool days. Long okay, time ago, okay. when, when Jordan Ibe was coming. That was a big L. And like the touchline guys, I think they forgot about it. And I don't know why I'm giving this freely to the community for them <laughs> to find out again. But um, that kind of goes to show how I kind of I've underplayed him throughout his career. And then he's continually just stayed at the top. Um, but one of the things is, so I, I remember on another podcast, I talked about it, like how he done well at Liverpool. Then he went to Man City, done well. And, it's, and he's even done well at, for England. But then I've had reflection on it. And he has done well for England. But I remember there was a time when he hadn't scored for England for like two years. Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember that time. He, did. he went on a long drag. And that's scary to me. Because obviously, like, the way my brain works, like, sometimes you plant a seed and then it just starts kind of working through it in the background. And I remember I just a light bulb went off. I was like, oh, there was a time where I think he went for, like, two years, even maybe even longer. Without getting, it's not like he wasn't playing. He was playing, but he just found it difficult to score. And he said it's just one of them things, right? Now, for me, at Chelsea, that's a potential. Oh, Now, obviously, we don't want it to happen. And... And the fact that he's found a way to score. And, and I think he spoke about, I think he spoke about how he wanted to look good on the ball. Like maybe aesthetics merchants or whatever. I feel like he went, um, he talked about how he wanted to dribble this and stuff like that. And he said that he wasn't scoring. So he just went back to basics and that was getting in behind and just getting goals. And that's, and that was almost like a learning moment for him um, because he said, when it comes down to it, you can look good, but, being effective is even more important. And so maybe he's learned, maybe like that would be a benefit for Chelsea because now he knows, like, uh, I feel like with Cristiano Ronaldo, everybody talks about Alex Ferguson when he, at first he wanted to everything to look nice, but then he just became a goal scoring monster. And I feel like 
potentially that switch has happened in Sterling because we don't want another situation where <laughs> the player is struggling to score, especially when the primary reason we've bought them is for goals. But what I would say as well, I was on Who Scored earlier today and I can't remember, I was, we was having a conversation about Ruben Loftus-Cheek and whether he's lost whether he's lost some of his dribbling ability and I feel like I think people are lazy honestly with a lot of players that go through injuries I remember it happened with Czech after the head injury whenever we he made a mistake oh it's because they had injury he was making mistakes before the head injury <laughs> and no it was just oh Czech made a mistake he's in, he's not infallible but every single mistake after the head injury head injury it was it's because of head injury with Hudson Odoi it's like oh he's not taking on his man because of the injury when even when you look at his pump like before the injury that was his game anyway um and so the reason why i bring this up as well is because what was I, talking, I was talking about sterling but anyway i can't remember what i was talking about but <laughs> I, I can't remember where i was going but yeah i feel like sometimes we just kind of my mentality mentality the player yeah for sterling we'll, we'll come yeah. back We'll come back to it. Maybe I'll listen it back and I'll, I'll write it. But but yeah, I definitely think people do that where people, um, an injury can just kind of change it. And then no matter what, they just put it to the injury afterwards. Oh, I was talking about dribbling. That's what I was talking about. So I was looking at Ruben Loftus-Cheek's uh, dribbling stats because we were saying, um, one of them was saying that actually he, do- he doesn't, he's not as good a dribbler. Now, actually his dribbling stats in 1819 was really good. But don't forget this season, he played as an anchor man a lot. And he talked to himself about the fact that he had to choose when to dribble. But in terms of his success rate, it's very similar. Because I think last last season, he was really good at dribbling, but he wasn't dribbling as much. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I feel like with Sterling, what when I was checking the RLC dribbling stats, I, w- I went back to 1819. And one thing I noticed, I was looking at the top, I was thinking, oh, look, Hazard's there. And I was like, shit, Sterling's there. And I kept on going forward. And I know that a lot of people talk about how Sterling is not a dribbler anymore, but I kept on going throughout the season. And Sterling remained quite high in terms of the, the, the players that actually are aggressive dribblers. And so whereas a lot of people are trying to make out like he's just there for the goals, no, I think actually he still brings a dribbling threat at, at, at this Sterling. That's, 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 what, that's a part of his game that's underrated because um, the, the narrative, again, is, is all it's back post finds himself in the back post and finds the easy goal. But no, that's that's not necessarily just his game. You you still have to have that ability in in that system, in Pep Guardiola's system, to to be able to take on your player. And he does that to a high level. Like, we saw that with the Euros as well, actually. Like, in in a system that's... People are quite um, harsh on Southgate and have their opinions about him in the system. But, listen, Sterling thrived in that. And and he showed his individual quality. I feel like he can show that regardless of the system. Chelsea, yep. so yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're on our final, the most controversial part of the front line. How, yeah. how is it going to be controversial? You said actually, um, we need to surround Kai with goal scorers. So, what, what are we doing? What are we who are we putting as our final uh game attack? I'm, I'm, I'm putting uh Kalamotsu on the left, and um, you talk about <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm, I'm one of his biggest, oh, I like to think I'm one of the more his biggest, um. Um, supporters, I feel like, it, you know what it is when you. I don't know if you, you go to games a lot, right? But when when you watch games in in like first hand, right? There's two players I always pick up, right? It's Kovacic and and and, and Hudson Odoi. Mm. Like when when I watch Kovacic, I, you just see like what he does on the pitch. You kind of you have to pay attention to him. You have to watch him individually. Like what he does is incredible. Same with Hudson Odoi. Like if you don't notice it, you don't see it. Like 
the, the certain switches of, of play, mm-hmm. the, 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 the pass selection yeah. that drives him to space, like the, the, the weight of the pass. Like his, his biggest attribute for me is his creativity. Yeah. Like of course, there's, there's reservations about his goal getting and his, mm-hmm. shoot, his shooting ability and all of that, but he can, he can improve on that. On that. I'm, I'm very confident. But his creation, like, mm-hmm. there's a reason why people look at these stats right, it's, that people come up with on Twitter. He's always at the top. There's a reason why. Like, I can see it. It's not just a, a stat for me. Like, yeah. I, see, I, I see his decision to create. And that's why when um, last summer we were yeah. talking about Haaland and Lukaku, right, there was, there was a big narrative around him, right? Mm-hmm. I said Cho has to be in that team. If they both, if they're going to be signed, yeah. because Cho, his his first indi- uh, first indication in the game, his first need is to create. Yeah. And if you if you have that as a striker, you're going to thrive. And someone yeah. like Sterling, even Kai, can benefit from from having a Cho on the left. Right, right, and a couple things. Uh, I agree with you. I don't go to games that often. If you anyone got free tickets, genuine free tickets, and not trying to scam me like someone someone <laughs> trying to scam me before. Uh, Sending my way, but I've been to a couple of games. But with, with Hudson Odoi, I feel like football's not just about winning, it is about winning, but really and truly, it's about entertainment too. Because if it wasn't entertaining, we wouldn't watch the shit. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like uh, the criticism about Chelsea being boring, I feel like a lot of times there is some truth to it. And like games where Hudson Odoi is playing, a lot, I feel like that's some of our best games. Like recent, like 100%. history, like because there's a bit more of the entertainment factor when Hudson Doyle is playing, um, and I feel like there is this kind of push and this quell for him to take on his player. But I feel like even if you do, and I encourage people, I've said it before, to watch, to go and take the time, even just the highlights of like Hudson Doyle pre-injury. A lot of the time, he didn't necessarily go past his player. He'd cut in, do you know what I'm saying? Or make a pass. I feel like that's more been Hudson-Odoi even before the injury than, um, I, I, like I talked before, a lot of people just like to say, oh, actually, it's the injury that's not the reason why he's not taking past players. But I feel like that's never necessarily been his game. And I, I worry for Hudson-Odoi because I think he's got a few things to contend with. He's got to contend with the fact that all of these other players that he's competing with, they've played quite a lot of football. And I feel like with, with young players and with players that haven't really, you know, been regular, uh, been a regular somewhere before, it's so difficult because when um, a Hudson Odoi makes a mistake, then it's because he's not ready and he's not, or he's not good enough or whatever. But, but let's say um, Sterling makes that same mistake. Let's say Sterling misses a chance that Hudson Odoi misses or whatever. Um, or he just fucks up. Because Sterling's got a backlog of where everything that's gone right, then people are more willing to say that's just a fuck up. It's not that Sterling's the fuck up, it's just a fuck up. And I feel like when it comes down to, with, I mean, we're Chelsea, we've had players like Salah and KDB, right? And a lot of people told me when I was here, they're the worst players ever. But that's because they just didn't have that full kind of. They didn't have that pre. They had. They didn't have that example of a full season of what a KDB can do, or a full season of what a Salah can do. And I feel like that's why it's so difficult for Hudson to compete because when it comes down to it, people Mount can make mistakes, and obviously Mount even. I think he was out of the team for a couple of games because he had a bad part of form. But the thing is, because at least Mount has like a couple seasons in the bank. If Mount makes a mistake, it's a mistake. 
Whereas when Hudson Adoy makes a mistake, it's because he's not good enough. Do you know what I'm saying? And I feel like that's, that's one of the big things he has to contend with. Um, you, know, you know, you spoke about sorry, sorry. You know, you spoke about games, right? And uh, yeah. entertainment, right? There's, there's two games that I, I can pick out last year yeah. that involved Hudson Adoy. Like the first one I actually watched live was, was Southampton uh, at home, and it was. It wasn't, it wasn't the best like Hudson Odoi game. Like yeah. he had better performances that season. Yeah. But if I just watched him individually, and I was I was so impressed with like just his decision making and his past selection, like just the small things. And people were actually quite frustrated with him on the, in the uh, in the crowd. And I was yeah. surprised. I was like, like I was like, how can you not see like the quality? And, and another game I could think about is it's actually a game that we drew at home it was to Burnley. Yeah. And I think it was Hudson Odoi is probably one of his best performances of the season. Like and and everything that was good about us that game yeah. went through him. It just went through him. Like we're, we're, we're actually like I think this is a matter of fact that we're a better team when Hudson Odoi is performing. Like to highlight because exactly. he just accommodates to other players and that, that that creation I, I value creation so highly like, in, in a system and he offers that in abundance. So that's that, a that's, that, that's that's what an actual playmaker is. It's not necessarily people who get the assists, but it's the things that the the game goes through them and they're the, the brains of the attack. Kind of like you said. So, yeah. so with Hudson Doyle, I think he's got that to contend with the fact that people are going to judge him against this fake pre-injury Hudson Doyle, which I don't think is real. Um, that's why I feel like people need to go back and watch those games and actually see is he really taking on players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Can, 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 can I? Sorry, sorry, can I go on a little tangent here just real quickly? Yeah, yeah go ahead. You know, you talk about how, how the game goes through you, right? Yeah. You, you know, the, the reason why MSN, right, Messi, Neymar, Suarez are the best trio of all time is because all three of them have that ability. All three of them. Are able to control the pace of the game and be the conductors, but also are like go getters to a high level. That's why we'll never see anything like it. Like they try to put together, for example, uh, 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 Neymar and Mbappe and 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 Messi. Obviously, age factor is important, but I just don't think he'll be as good as that because for someone like Suarez, he's a striker, but he's also like the second highest assister of all time, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is the factor, and and all three of them just have that ability to create. I, I just value that in in a team so much because it just makes everyone around them better. And that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, and, and I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I even think, to be fair, like Sterling, Sturridge and Suarez, obviously they're not Neymar, Messi and Suarez, but um, yeah. they were amazing together. And all three of them creating speed, scoring, dribbling. Do you know what I'm saying? So they, they, they all had a bit of that. I was just going to quickly say on, on Hudson Doy, he's got to compete with the fact that people... Are going to judge him with this pre-injury Hudson Odoi, which I think is fake because I feel like, like I, watched, I watched the friendly today, um, and it was Man United versus Liverpool, so it's two Premier League teams. But the thing is, in pre-season, when that like, players aren't fit, and you know what I'm saying, it's a pre-season game, so it's not kind of the tension and the atmosphere, and you must not concede. There was so much space, and so when I see people go to that Arsenal game in pre-season when he first started, I was like, that's a fucking pre-season game. Of course, there was space to get in behind for him to run into. Do you know what I'm saying? He might as well have been playing the fucking Bundesliga. Um, yeah. But when people do that, when people use that to judge games, I'm like, you're, you're doing it all wrong. And when people use youth football as well, you're doing it all wrong. But like, show me a, show me. So I feel like this is homework for the audience listening. Get me a pre-injury um, Hudson game where he's taking it past the players, like you were saying. Like, and I'm not talking about dri- cutting in and dribbling because that's what he does now and the pass move. Show me that game, please. Um, so I feel like people are going to judge him against this fake pre-injury um, Hudson-Odoi. I feel like, again, he doesn't have that whole kind of 
catalogue of um, a whole season of performances, which kind of protects him. So if when his form goes wrong, people will know that, oh, it's just form. People are just going to say, no, it's just hudson and Doyle. And then again, if there's a lot of attackers, like before, like a lot of our attackers aren't good enough, fair enough. But I just feel like when I, I've done the maths on it, if we play a front three, there's 114 appearances for a front three, right? If you have five attackers, then that means you, all five of those equally, I know that it's not going to be spread equally, but all five of those can get 20 games. The more attackers you add that have to play, then some people are going to have to start playing five games and 10 games, et cetera, et cetera. And I just believe that um, because we've got more subs this season and because we've got a World Cup, I feel like they're going to structure the squad saying we need loads of bodies in attack. And what that's going to mean is that actually there's not going to be space. I feel like it means that two like two players are going to get jolted. Like at least two players are going to get jolted if we have like six or seven attackers. Um, uh, and I think hudson Doy probably might be one of those, um, which is unfortunate, but there's probably just not going to be the space because when it comes down to it, like if you're playing five, seven games a season, then of course you can't be compared to any of the other young players like Saka because they're, that Saka could go through a drought, but then come back and score, whereas Hudson's lawyer can't do that. So there's there's that issue as well, which is why I'm not necessarily kind of that hopeful about Hudson's lawyer. I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is his fourth season and he's still not doing it. But I feel like unless you give players the space to um, to thrive, then that's the reason why I can't be harsh on them. I can't be harsh on them. Um, but I'm, I'm a Hudson Odoi fan and he's, he seems like he's, he's gone away and he's tried to make himself bulkier, which is good. Um, but yeah, uh, looking at your attack, you've got Sterling, you've got Kai, you've got Hudson and Doyle. I always say you should have uh, a first scorer, a second scorer, and attack and playmaker. So you've kind of satisfied that. So yeah, it's a good team. Yeah. Uh, any more as a director of football? Any kind of final words in terms of your team or whatever? Um, I'm probably going to get questions about um, Kante, and uh, Kante for me will be uh, like a weapon where you can just use him in the big games and you can bring them on when you need to kind of see our game and, and implement your system. So that, right. that's, that's one thing I'll say about Kante. Okay. All right. So tell them where they can find you again, Slens. Sure. Uh, they can find, find me uh, Slens Talks, just one word on, on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me if you're not following me, it's up to you. But yeah, man, I've just been a big fan of this and I'm, I'm honored to be on, which is very, very fun. So I'll be, I'll be listening to other episodes as well. Cheers. All right, cool. Thanks for sticking with us, Chelsea fans. We'll be back. Uh, next week with hopefully another director of football so yeah we'll end there Sports Social Podcast Network.